Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. What up, Crossing fam? You all doing good today? Man, I hope so. It's a little wet out there. You know, God said he wouldn't destroy the world again by flood, but boy, is he making us think about it. Um, It's good to have you here. Before I jump too far into my message, uh, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, so I'm asking for a big favor, okay? Uh, Here's what I need from you guys. Uh, One of the things we talk about here at the church is the dot, and um, we kind of make sure we're living out our core values in such a way as to take good care of the dot and to push the dot down. Then the dot is the average age of our church. And so what I actually need to do in just a few seconds is we're gonna pass a piece of paper through. It just has a box on it. We're also gonna put it in the uh, chat for online and uh, for both Facebook and our online platform. There's gonna be a piece of paper across your path. You're gonna have a pen. I just want you to pick a box, write your age, ladies. You're in church, no lying. I know you're gonna be tempted to turn that 54 into a 45, don't do it, okay? Uh, But you guys can go ahead at all of our different locations. You can start passing those things down the aisle. Then when it gets to the other side, they've got other people that will collect them. But we would like to take a little bit of time just to get our dot on the front end. We've done this two or three times in the past and we just try wanna do this kind of as a refresher especially as so many people are starting to come back to our church. Right now, between our uh, online and physical locations, we're having about 5,000 people physically gather and about 3,000 people gather online. And we just wanna kinda get a bead on how we're doing in regards to that. While that's happening, I have a couple announcements I'll give you so that'll keep things uh, lighthearted. One, ladies, if you haven't signed up for uh, Rise, please do. It is gonna be an incredible opportunity and we want you all to be a part of it. Husbands, if you have not made sure, pushed your wife out the door and said, listen, sign up for this. Your wife needs an opportunity to get away, connect with other women, be challenged by God's word. While she's gone, eat as many you know, pizzas as you possibly can and have the house clean when she gets home. It will go well for you. Please don't miss that. Also, if you're part of our online family, I wanna encourage you to re- uh, watch last week's sermon Not because my sermon was so good, but because Tracy's story was so powerful. And if you have a story like Tracy's story where God has been using the online platform to create some movement in your heart spiritually, we wanna hear it. In fact, you can email online at thecrossing.net and we would like to capture your story and hear how God is using you because there's about 3,000 of you watching every single week and we want to get to know you a little bit better. So share your story. I look forward to getting to read those this week. Um, next thing, a couple of years ago, we started a, um, I don't know what you would call it, an initiative, a program, a ministry here at the crossing called No Kid Cold. And, um, our church is about 10,000 square miles wide, which means, you know, we're bigger than I think seven states. And um, in 2021, uh, our church, we can't do everything, but there's just certain things that we should just be able to just eliminate. And our church feels like it is completely uh, incompatible that in 2021, that there would be kids that are cold uh, to and from school. And we think we're big enough to eradicate it. And so we are. And so I want you to pay really close attention. If you are an administrator, a school teacher, support staff in the school system, 
if you see a kid coming to your school and they are not appropriately uh, dressed, they do not have a coat that is keeping them warm, all you have to do is call the closest location for wherever our crossing campuses are. And you can pass this information off to your principal, your superintendent. You can pass this on to the ladies and gentlemen in the front office, the security guards, janitors, cooks. You can get that word out. And what we will do is you call us and by the end of the day, we are gonna do everything in our power to have the right size coat with the right, for the right gendered kid at your school before school is out. So they are maybe cold coming to school, but they will be warm going home. And we wanna make that, we are moving that right now. And uh, I love it. It makes me so happy to, I mean, I remember waiting for a bus and you can wait a while sometimes. And I know that there are people facing all kinds of economic hardships and we're just big enough to be able to handle this. And so we're just gonna, we're gonna eliminate kids being cold. Now listen, uh, you might be going, Clayton, uh, I am not a teacher, an administrator. I don't work in the school system, but I wanna help. Well, if you're like the Hensel House, we are getting ready to pull out our winter wear. I am rocking a sweater that is keeping me so very toasty right now. You may have some coats that uh, you are getting ready to upgrade or change out or whatever. I'm gonna encourage you to take those coats that you have to the thrift store. And you might be going, well, I don't know if this coat's the right coat. We'll figure that out. You just bring your coats in there and we will either get them in the hands of somebody who needs them or we will figure out a way to repurpose those coats so that way they can generate income so that way we can actually uh, pay for people's light bills and stuff like that as the winter months come. We used to do this more in December, but God keeps sending snow on Halloween. And so we're going, okay, well, we'll start getting things warm soon. So we would love for you to participate in that. Last thing, I wanna do a special shout out to our inside family. I told you I have something special to share with you. We started this ministry July 26, 2015, and to date we have had 633 baptisms. And we are so proud, so thankful for you. Um, a big shout out to all the volunteers that are a part of that ministry, the difference makers, you really are making a difference. To those of you who are part of the Crossing Inside, we love you, we care about you, we're proud of you, and we believe that God is not done with you. In fact, the difference between some of you on the inside and some of us watching here on the outside is we just didn't get caught. And we cannot wait till we get to meet you either on this side of heaven or in heaven, and it is gonna be a glorious day. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna pray over all the people that are part of our inside family um, as a church. Now, before I do that, a couple uh, weeks ago, my son was developing anxiety my, uh, because he had to go to school and there was gonna be a substitute. And the last time there was a substitute, the kids acted, his words, like we were in a zoo. And when the teacher came back, she was not happy with the class. And he was mortified that he was, there was gonna be another substitute teacher bad review. And so before we loaded him up and took him to school, we all circled up as a family in the living room and we prayed for a great day with the substitute teacher. And um, the first thing he said to my wife when she picked him up from CKX, which is our after-school program that we have at two of our locations, the first thing he said to my wife was, Mom, prayer works. And we believe that as a church, don't we? So we believe in that prayer works. I would like us all to pray for our online family. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, 
Thank you so much for the crossing inside. God, thank you for creating the opportunities and the technology to make that happen. God, I pray that you would be with all the difference makers that are serving in that ministry. God, I pray that you would raise up other people around them that would be passionate about helping people inside find an intimate personal relationship with you. God, to the inmates that are watching us, God, I pray that you would uh, sear it into their hearts that they are loved by you, that they have been redeemed and forgiven by you. And God, that as long as they have breath in their lungs, that they have a purpose in you. God, I pray that they would bring about change that impacts other inmates, that they would bring about a change that impacts the guards, that the, the warden and the state take notice, that there'd be something different on their block as they let you take over more and more of their life. We love you, Heavenly Father. In your name I pray, amen. Well, last week I told you a story from seventh grade. It's time for me to tell you another one. I also, as I'd made the transition from private school to public school, the decision was made for me to ride the bus. And I got on the bus and I took about two steps and I sat like two or three rows back on the bus drive. And about 10 miles down the gravel road, a, uh, uh, a junior in high school, uh, I can't remember her name, but she was wearing perfume. And she walked all the way to the back of the bus. And my little seventh grade nostrils, my little seventh grade eyes could not handle a junior woman who smelled unbelievable sitting that far from me. And over time, I kind of felt like God was maybe putting it on my heart to slowly make my way back to the back of the bus where she was. And over time, that's exactly what the Lord led me to do. And one of these days, as God would have it, I find myself sitting right next to this girl. And we started having a conversation and, I mean, I don't know where it was going, but I know where it ended up. It ended up with this girl and me talking about my faith in Jesus Christ. And then she said, well, I'm a Christian too. Now, uh, remember, I went to private school where I was taught the Bible 30 minutes a day, five days a week, however many weeks they send you to private school. And when she said that she believed in Jesus, I went, nope, because <laughs> that's how you win a girl over, okay? She's like, oh yeah, I'm like, nope, you can't. You, you, couldn't, be, you couldn't possibly be a Christian. I mean, the words you're using, the things you're saying, and the stories you're telling, there is no way you're a Christian. She's like, yeah, I am. Because when I was a baby, I got baptized. And once you're saved, you're always saved. And I'm going to be in heaven. And I am like, no, no, that is not accurate. Your, your parents are liars, okay? I, I, my seventh grade self was like, I cannot handle this. This is wrong. You, you're, you need to know, like you're, you're not going to heaven. And I got, I mean, it was, like, it was like a defining moment on the bus because I'm in the back where all the rowdy kids are and I'm just drawing a line in the sand with this gorgeous girl. I don't even know if she was pretty. I just think that when you're in seventh grade, any full-blown woman looks pretty. And I was like, you, you're, you are not going to heaven. You are not right. You are not saved. And she's like, uh-huh. And I'm like, uh-uh. And while, there, while I was like, there's just no way you can make one decision for Jesus in your life and live the entire rest of it in total rebellion to him. And 
While there are no shortage of theological issues with her position, beneath the surface, there are plenty of theological challenges to my own beliefs. Uh, maybe you've grown up in church and you've uh, watched videos or read books and you've heard the term eternal security and you're like, oh yeah, and you maybe even have some thoughts on that. Others of you, you're new to the church, you're still trying to explore what it means to have a relationship with God and you're like, man, Clayton, I gotta be honest with you, you're already like way over my head, this is not me. Trust me, it is you because you've had questions but you just didn't word it with words like eternal security. Your question has been, can I lose my salvation? And what I wanna do is I wanna spend a little bit of time uh, talking to you guys about that today. Can I lose my uh, salvation? Can I have eternal security? And there, the challenge is, is that there are really good verses on both sides of the argument. If the girl in the back of the bus uh, knew her Bible, uh, she would have had a, some really good ammunition to fire at me. Plenty of scriptures to back up what, what her position is. I mean, I'll just give you three, but there's more, but I'll give you this one. Romans chapter, uh, or John chapter six. All those the Father, that's God, gives me, that's Jesus, will come to me, Jesus, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. So when you come to Jesus, he's never gonna boot you out. Okay, that feels pretty secure. Uh, how about this one? My sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall, everybody say this word, never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Now listen, this, this is gonna resonate with you. Let me unpack kind of the beauty of that scripture. Jesus is saying, God has really, really, really big, powerful, strong hands. And my hands are just like his hands. And nobody, nothing can ever take anything that's been in their hands out. And you're like, yeah. When you're in Jesus' hands, nobody can get you. Yeah. And you can kind of envision uh, your kids playing in the front yard, except your house is located on a four-lane highway and there's traffic going by and really high uh, speeds and your kids kick the ball. And if your kids are like my kids, when a ball goes into the street, they don't even notice that there's a street. All they see is the ball. And your kids start running towards destruction. And God in his sovereignty and his mighty hand, he reaches out and he grabs a hold of you and he pulls you out of impending doom. He rescues you, saves you. And when he puts his hand on you, nothing can pull you out. And you are going as a parent, when you put your hand on a kid, especially in Walmart, get over here. Nothing can get you away. But the problem I have, and last week I talked about election, and this week I'm talking about eternal security. The problem with the far side of this belief is that God has more than two hands. And my kids were running into the street, and both of my kids were running into the street. Oftentimes, election and eternal security come down to God saving one person, but not saving the other. That me reaching as fast as I possibly can to save one of my sons, but predestining my other one for destruction. That seems incompatible to me. I mean, they even use this verse. 
Romans chapter eight, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's a great verse, it's like in the top 10 list. It's in the Hall of Fame has a nice jacket verse as far as the Bible's concerned. However, I don't think this verse is talking about eternal security. I think this verse, I'm, I'm just throwing out crazy stuff here, is talking about love. And in fact, a very specific kind of love. It's talking about God's love for us. That nothing can separate God from loving you. So if you're wanting to take this down the road of eternal security, the, the big problem is nothing can stop God from loving you. So God loves all the people in heaven. And God loves all the people on earth. And God loves all the people in hell. Nothing will ever stop God from loving you. Heaven is not a place for people that God loves. Heaven is a place for people that love God back. So I don't know if this verse helps. So while she could have had her verses, I have mine. And maybe you grew up in a church and you kind of grew up in my kind of church and you're gonna be like, Clayton, you are preaching. Listen, I'm gonna take you down our, because my side's dysfunctional too. Look what it says here. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away withers and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Aren't you glad you came to church? I mean, if you're gonna walk in the rain, we might as well get to the fire. You know what I mean? Let's warm up. How about this one? Uh, but they were broken off because of unbelief. So they had a belief and then they broke it off. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Clayton, keep encouraging us with this reading of the scriptures. Okay, let's do it. Let's do First uh, Timothy. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding, present tense, onto faith and a good conscience, which some have, everybody say this word, rejected, and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander. A lot of people like to name their kids Bible names. Hymenius never makes the cut. It's because he shows up and he's like, yeah, he, he peeled out. He walked away from his faith. Uh, how about this one? The spirit clearly says that in later times, some will, everybody say this word, abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Maybe one of the more scary ones is Hebrews chapter six. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age. This sounds like a person who's come into an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. 
This is easily in the top 10 of the most scary verses in scripture. Now, how do you, how do you wrestle with that? Now, a little context here will help you so that way you guys don't go home and freak out. Uh, this verse is written uh, by the author of Hebrews and he's writing to a group of people that very well either saw Jesus preach and heal people, but for sure saw his disciples preach and heal people. They heard the gospel when it was at its purest, at its strongest, when it was the most potent. And what he's saying is, if you accepted Jesus after seeing Jesus preach, and you believed in Jesus after you saw Jesus heal, and you could turn away from that, what chance does Clayton's sermon have of getting you back on track? Jesus even makes mention of this when he says to the people around him, uh, you believe because you have seen but blessed are those who believe even though they don't see. He's saying if you can reject the gospel at its purest, how would you ever accept it at its, at its worst? These people made a continual decision to reject God. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That is the unforgivable sin. When you choose to walk away from God, never turn around, never ask for forgiveness, never try to get the relationship right, you walk out on God and you completely walk away. And you might be going, in looking at this verse, it creates some serious concern for your salvation. I remember in high school wrestling with this because I mean, that was what I just walked you through was how I was kind of raised. And so, I mean, bedtime was a real scary time because grandma always taught us the prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. And there's that line where it says, if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And I'm like, I don't know if he's taking my soul unless I do an apology tour with Jesus right now. And I'd be like, God, uh, you know, well, you know everything. So you know that today was kind of a big day. Did a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that, you know, uh, not proud of. And uh, I want you to know, God, and I, God, I know I know that you know that I know that I prayed a prayer very similar to this yesterday. But I am really sorry today. And I don't, I don't ever want to do it again, God. And then, you know, Wednesday, I was like, boy, God, I mean, I know I can't surprise you, but to be honest with you, I, I, did, I did basically the same thing today that we prayed about yesterday. In fact, I, I feel like I got a little bit better at sinning. Um, I may be up for an honorary doctorate and um, I'm sorry, Lord. And I'm, and I'm going to bed thinking, you know, if I die tonight, <sighs> maybe. And I'm kind of like on the fence and I'm going, I mean, hopefully. I mean, Jerry talked about this a couple weeks ago about how you can find yourself with like a pogo faith a pogo stick faith where like one minute you feel like you're saved and the next minute you feel like you're lost and one minute you feel like you have eternal security and the next moment you feel like you have no security. Then like if you go to church, you're saved, but if you cuss, you're not saved. If you give money, you're saved, but if you, you know, if you lust after somebody, you're not saved. If you come to the steps, you're really saved, but if you miss church, you're not saved. And like every single day, depending on how you operate, you're going, I'm in, I'm out, I don't know. And that cannot possibly be what God had in store for his children. For us to live in this constant tension of whether or not we're in a right relationship with him or not, whether we're saved or we're not, whether we're going to heaven or we're not, and how can we have all of these, because if that was the case, that would dilute the beauty of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. It would rob it of its power. So how do we reconcile these two seemingly potent positions in scripture? 
that nothing can ever take you out of God's hand. And at the same time, it is very possible for us to lose the very thing that we hold right now to be so precious. The Bible reconciles this through a relationship, through an intimate, personal relationship. The Bible gives us a description of what this relationship is. The Bible calls it marriage. Now this weekend, uh, Jennifer and I are celebrating 20, or no, uh, on the 23rd, yesterday, 12 years of marriage. And that's kind of a big deal, yeah. And for all you single people, the reason why they're clapping is because it takes a lot of work to get to 12 years, okay? It's a hard pull. Uh, I'm celebrating 12 years of being happily married. Jennifer's celebrating three. And we, it's, it's, it's so far, it's, it's going, okay? Now, uh, when we got married, we made a covenant. We made a contract with each other. And we said vows to one another. And I gotta be honest with you, Jennifer and I, when we argue, um, there's live ammo involved, okay? We shoot, all of our shots are, are, are real, okay? And I'm kind of like the sniper. I kind of wait in the distance, pick my spot, and then I'm like, okay, okay? And we'll have that argument. Jennifer is more like Wyatt Earp, okay, with shotguns. She's like, my like, hands up, don't shoot. What, uh, what did I do wrong? Okay. That's kind of how we, that's kind of how we operate. And I remember at the beginning parts of our marriage, we would have one of those fights and I would wonder if she was going to stay married to me. And the reason I would wonder if she would stay married to me is because I knew what I meant when I made those vows. Like I knew what I meant, but I didn't know if she meant what I meant. And I knew that like I was in it thick and thin, good or bad, but I didn't know, I didn't know if she was in it like, like she had levels to how bad. And I remember wondering what does this look like? And I mean, I don't, you know, I don't wanna get into, I don't wanna get into my laundry, so let's get into yours for a little bit. I mean, like imagine, pretend, Pretend you have a friend who they sometimes have disagreements in their marriage, okay? Don't think of you, think of your neighbors. Are you still married even when you have a disagreement? And the church would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can still be married and have a disagreement. Can you, can you be married and um, get, in a, get in a fight? Yeah. Are you still married if one of the spouses lusts after another, or for somebody else? Well, yeah, yeah, you're probably, yeah, you're still married. Uh, do you stop being married when you're unhappy with each other? No, you can be unhappy and still be married. Uh, some people, you've had to experience this kind of pain. Um, can you still be married after one of your spouses has an affair? Yeah. Yeah, you can. Do you stop being married just because one of those things happened? No. But could those things lead to you eventually stopping to be married? Of course they could. I mean, for Jennifer and I, I mean, if, if we stopped, you know, if, 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 uh, if she cheated, would we still be married? If, I mean, I'd, I'd stick it out. Would I take her back if she cheated? Of course I would. Would she take me back if I cheated? I am not even gonna find out, okay? It's not safe, right? You see, she would kill me and her, okay? So let me ask you this question. Uh, here's the challenging part, I guess. 
is in your relationship with God, he is always right. Guys, you might be going, actually, I have more, I have more in common with that than you realize because uh, my wife is always right. But he's like legitimately always right. And not only that, he knows your heart. See, what happens in a marriage, and like when one couple has an affair on the other one, and then they try to reconcile, the one who didn't commit the offense has to believe that the person who cheated on them is telling them the truth and not just what they want to hear. And so the person who cheated can go, I am so sorry, I'll never do it again, my bad. I, 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 man, I just, I just, I didn't realize how special we were until I almost, and you're sitting here and you have to go, do I believe that they're telling me the truth, that what they're saying is right and honorable? Well, God knows your heart. And just because you sin here on earth doesn't, immediately violate the relationship that you have with him. But when you say you're sorry, he actually knows for real whether you're sorry or not. Let me look, look what it says here. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. We're going to focus on this chunk of scripture now, and then we're going to go back to the first part. Um, I want to try and reconcile how do we live our life with Jesus and have eternal security, and what does that look like? And the easiest way I can describe it uh, is with my iPhone. Now, it is crazy now that these things cost a thousand bucks. Crazy to me. But here it is, and uh, you may know people uh, at all of our locations who have a cracked screen. Raise your hand if you know somebody who operates with a cracked screen. Oh yeah, that's our church. You people drive me nuts, okay? And uh, how many of you know people that don't want a case on their phone? Like they get their phone and they just wanna show off how slick it is, and they're all single people who don't have kids or dogs, right? Okay. Now, when you're at the store and you buy your $1,000 phone, what is the first thing you do? You buy a case. And if you buy it at the store, they take you for all your worth. They're like, man, this is a thousand bucks. I mean, it's only 120 for a case. And so you buy a case. Now, um, look what happens inside of this. Now, God, he makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership. So I've got my crossing swag sticker here. So you pick up your phone and you personalize it. Look at that sticker game I got. So now I've got my crossing sticker. This says, hey, this belongs to not you. And then he sets his seal of ownership on us. Now this, I've been told, is a life-proof case. And you can put your phone in here and it's supposed to work better than it is when you putting it on in front of all your friends. Well, this illustration is gonna get rough here in a second. There we go. And once you have this on your, see, he has set his seal of ownership. He's anointed and set his seal of ownership on you. And once you have your life proof case on, you can drop it. And it should be, oh, CrossFit on Thursday. It should be fine. 
Uh, Fat Corey, give me a ring. Make sure it's still working. Yeah, there's... Okay, it's still working. Now, when you have this, like you can go through life and your phone won't be impacted. Like you should be good. You should be able to go through life knowing that you have been, you have been put in Christ. That when you're in Christ, things shouldn't happen. You don't have to, my phone is still, yeah, it's still there. Not only that, he places his spirit in us as a guarantee of what is to come. My phone has this. I can ping it. So if you ever, I'm ever looking for my phone, I can, from another room, oh, that's my phone. When you're worshiping God, when you're a part of his family, when you're doing things that God calls you to do, and you feel this connection to you, his spirit that's been placed in you, that is God pinging you saying, listen, I'm, that's just a taste of what's happening. One of these days I'm gonna come and I'm gonna grab you. Now, that I have this on my phone, can I drop it? Yeah. Should I spend the rest of my life just shoving it into the ground? Should I be pick, throwing it up as high as I possibly can and letting it fall to the ground? Of course not. Should I just spend my entire life waking up every day? Whew, that one got a little scary. Just leaving it in the water. Of course not. That's not what you do. That's not what a Jesus follower would do. Here's what I know. Is in my relationship with Jesus? It's the same as my phone. If for some reason I'm carrying car keys, my computer, my phone, and I have to try and open the door and I drop it, I know that when I drop it, it's gonna be okay. It happens sometimes. Or maybe, and I've heard stories of this, when you reach over to flush the toilet, and some people have their phone fall into the toilet, you know that your phone is good because it's in its case. Now on this phone, there's this little spot right here that is a little port that you can open up. And this is kind of us. Because when you take the port off, it's no longer waterproof. And what we want is we want 360 degree protection from Jesus without having to turn everything over. God, I just, I wanna have eternal security. I wanna know that I'm going to heaven with you. I just don't wanna turn over my sex life. God, I want 360 degree protection. I just don't wanna turn over what I look at on the phone late at night when no one's around. God, I want 360 degree protection, but I don't wanna have to turn over any part of how I handle my finances. God, I want to have 360 degree protection, but I don't want to do the things that you've clearly called me to do in your word. Well, that can't be right either. The longer I've been in my relationship with Jennifer, the more security I have in that relationship and the more I wanna work to make things right. The longer you're in your relationship with God, the longer you've been around him, impacted by him, the more we should want to live a life in response to it and do the things that he called us to do. Now I wanna take you back to this first verse. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us 
to the glory of God. All of God's promises are yes in Jesus. God says, I promise to love you with an everlasting love, and that promise is a yes in Jesus Christ. God promises to redeem you and protect you, and that promise is a yes in Jesus. God promises to forgive you and to cleanse you, and that promise is a yes in Jesus. And God promises to cover you and to clothe you. And that's exactly what he did. The Bible says that he wishes to gather us unto him like a mother hen would gather her chicks in a storm and shield them from the rain. And when Jesus was on the cross with his arms stretched out, I was gathered underneath his wings and the wrath of God was poured out, but I got none of the wrath. I got all of the grace because I was covered and clothed in Jesus. And that promise is a yes in Jesus. And God God promises to give us a future, and that promise is a yes in Jesus. God promises to give you peace and hope, and that promise is yes in Jesus. And God promises to give you grace and mercy, and that promise is a yes in Jesus. And God promises to hold you and keep you and never let you go, and that promise is a yes in Jesus. And we say amen to the glory of God the Father. You, you can have eternal security in Jesus. He will not hold you against your will. He will not force you into relationship. But if you place your life in Jesus, you surrender your life in him, and you turn it all over, you have all the security you could ever want and all the security you ever need because that promise is yes in Jesus. I want you to think about that as we move to this time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.